Time and again, the world bears witness to truths seldom said. Lend an ear. We promise enlightened, informed conversation. My name is Robert, and this is Seldom Said, the place where conversation matters. Special guest today, extremely special in many ways, in many senses, Slava Vadeyev, the choreographer, leader, director of Fedeyev Ballet, formerly of the Kirov Ballet, now the Barinsky, a person who has been with the best in the world for his art form. Welcome to Seldom Said, Slava. Thank you so much, Robert. Thank you for inviting me, and it's actually an honor to be on the radio, it's, and it's fun, too. <laughs> it's our pleasure, I can assure you. Can we start with a little bit of personal background, who you are, where you've been, and what's brought you to this time and place? Sure. I was born in 1971. In 1981, I uh, went to the uh, famous, uh, one of the famous ballet academies in the world, Vaganova Academy in St. Petersburg, Russia. By then, it was still Leningrad. And um, in 1989, I graduated and uh, was um, invited to become a dancer at the famous Kirov Ballet at that moment and then Marinsky Ballet. And uh, 1995, um, I was um, I changed my life, decided to change my life, and moved to United States. And uh, after that, danced in a few companies. One of them was Hartford Ballet uh, in Connecticut. And then uh, I moved to Long Island, uh, danced a little bit with Metropolitan Opera, with a few uh, regional companies in Long Island, and uh, taught ballet. And then uh, three years ago, decided to open my own. School of Ballet here in Greenville, Long Island. So that's just a quick <laughs> thing. <It's> marvelous. <laughs> a great many things. You have an eclectic background. Your parents were motivators. I know your mother was splendid beyond belief when it came to instructing. Were they the primary motivators in your wanting to be a classical dancer? I saw my mom uh, since maybe I was two years old, just the moment when anybody could take a kid to see ballet at the theater. So I think I was two. But um, I liked ballet, but never was interested to dance because I was actually, um, my question was always to my parents if I would remember the choreography mm -hmm. and would be able to actually follow and how do they do that. So I was kind of afraid that I wouldn't be able to remember certain things. Mm -hmm. Let's say like dance and follow the steps and movements. So my father, who actually was an engineer, and he was in love and ballet as well, and uh, he was always arguing with me about that and was always trying to uh, uh, explain to me that it comes with a training, it comes with a school, and you will be able to do all of these things. And he actually, my mom, even though she was a principal dancer with the Mikhailovsky Theater in St. Petersburg, uh, she wanted me to be... Uh, something else, not a dancer. Uh, but my father really insisted, uh, and she was a motivator for the whole family that I would go to ballet school, and, uh, and it happened to be. Um, so basically, you know, just thanks to my father, I became a dancer. <laughs> if uh, my mom would win, I probably would be a dentist <laughs> or the doctor, which is actually a good profession as well. <laughs> I like the human bodies. <laughs> if a child came to you <clears throat> and said, sir, I don't know whether I like this, but I really want to try it if I do at a very high level, what initial advice would you have given to yourself as a child? just beginning well you have to you have to love it first of all you have to be interested in that you have to educate yourself every day uh, you have to have a discipline to become a dancer um, and of course kids really don't know these things that's why they really need a good teacher who will really uh, guide them through all of those things because how did how do the kids really you know know things you know how do the kids really grow you know they that's why the teacher who can, you know, um, and there are so many different people, you know, like who can really teach you how to become a dancer, how to become a good person, or they won't help you at all. So that's, that's why we're here. That's why I wanted to start the school, because I see a lot of differences and a lot of things that are missing in this life at this point. And uh, this is one of our 
main thing in our school just to really help kids to understand this art form, fall in love with this art form, and if they want to continue, to help them out in that too. Given our American culture, there seems to be a preoccupation with doing things in an extemporaneous fashion, off the cuff. You'd mentioned a certain agitation and tension as to whether you would remember choreography. There is a marvelous story told of Maria Callas. She would forget where she was, mm-hmm. and she carried a handkerchief and waved it in front of her face. And in the audience, you really couldn't see that she missed the note. I have the impression as an officiate when it comes to really judging the expertise in ballet, but a person who loves the art form, I have the impression that it's difficult to fake your way in a ballet, whether you're in the back or in the front. Everyone must know what they're doing. Am I correct? Yes, you are, because um, ballet is a live performance. It's not like film where you can actually take so many takes and uh, just redo the scene and just... Mm find the best out of all the like numerous takes in here it just comes once and then you have to do it as perfect as it can be so that's why it's like so multiple rehearsals uh so much education so many classes that you have to go through and uh to sustain that um uh, uh, way that you are on stage and uh, yeah you have to learn the choreography how you must know what you're doing and it's actually very visible if somebody really goes and does something incorrectly Uh, with the principal dancers though it's different even though you can be one of the best but it's nothing to do with the dancer even if they actually make a mistake they can get away with that just because they're doing things on their own but in the quarter ballet when you're in a group of people you cannot make a mistake at all because that would be very visible and then <laughs> the audience will see it and uh, your director will see it, everybody will see it and uh, your fellow dancers will see it actually. You can really make a big mess on stage at the same time so it will not look like a good picture. But it comes with the... With the uh, just like uh, through my own cell because I was always nervous that I will uh, forget something I had a few anxieties when I was actually a young kid, especially when I already graduation, at my graduation year, I had an anxiety to go and do the Cavalier in uh, Nutcracker, and I kept going through the choreography in the, in the wings, you know, over and over and over and over, because I thought I'm going to forget something. Mm-hmm. But then, at the time when I went on stage, it just went like I didn't think about it. It just went through my body. Which was interesting, you know. <laughs> that is interesting. Uh-huh. Many actors will say mm. that if they're with a good actor, a great actor, they become great. Does a partner at Pas de Deux matter that much in ballet, a superb partner? Can that person bring the dancer to a level they did not think was possible? Definitely. And... Uh and a male role in the theater, in the ballet, uh, changed a lot uh, uh, because before, uh, when they started the professional ballet, it was always between the uh, man and the woman as a partnering uh, thing, and uh, a male dancer was just a male dancer as a partner. And so at that moment, uh, they were just good partners, not as a female good dancer. So, uh, from the very beginning of the ballet, uh, the male dancer was actually very, uh, had to be a strong partner for the woman, for the uh, female dancer. But uh, over years and nowadays, a male dancer cannot be only a good partner, also has to be a very good, uh, well-prepared dancer and very educated dancer at the same time, because they have to do a lot of solo roles on them by themselves. But partnering is um, one of the, I would say, in my school at the Vaganova Academy, that's a number two uh, class in, uh, in, in the syllabus besides just the ballet classes. And that's when the girls and boys meet each other. And they have a few different classes like uh, character classes and acting classes and the historical class. But um, partnering class is number two actually in their education. So that's how important it is. Do you feel that at the level you reach 
Kirov, Namudinsky, one can't get any better. Given that scenario, are you bound to not only know your own part, but everyone else's? When you're a dancer, you... Well, when I went to school, yes, we actually, we had to... Um, teachers always told us, you have to really know everybody else's uh, his, uh, story in the ballet. Not just, you don't have to know their steps, but you really have to know what they're doing on stage at the same time, because that's how you relate to other people, especially with the ballets with the story. Um. I remember quite some time ago, I'm dating myself, seeing Nuyev on film playing a role, playing a poignant role, and he acted with every part of his body. It was like his big toe was sending an emotion out into the audience. Everything was there. And I'm wondering, can that ever be taught? I can see a person with a perfect body, a person with the expertise and the athleticism. How does one teach that type of sensitivity? Or is it native-born or not at all? It is. That's what you actually said. That was the precious words. Native-born, yes. You know, uh, like one of the uh, famous dancers from France, she said that she was born with a lucky body. It was an interesting statement. You have to actually be born with that right body to, to dance. Um, sometimes it can be developed, but not everything, but to the point that you become a very big and principal dancer and a star, um, you have to be born with that type of body, unfortunately. <laughs> you have, and that's just nature. What part then does ego play in all of this? It must be incredibly competitive at that pinnacle of effort and status. One has to truly believe in themselves. Yes, uh, just again, going through my own school uh, years, um, with the boys, it was much easier than with girls. I think because it's less boys, just in general, in ballet than girls. So in it's a bigger competition with the, between the girls than boys. Boys were more, uh, we were actually competing with each other playfully when the girls were more like mean to each other, basically. And um, uh, I don't know really these years if, if it's easier for the uh, uh, girls just to be with each other. But I think people are people. And uh, I think when it's less people involved in something, it's less competition than when it's more people involved. And of course, there are more girls dance than boys, unfortunately, in this country. <laughs> and I would like to have more boys and bring more boys and explain them that it's really a great art form that involves a lot of sports activity as because they all think about sports as fun, but ballet is actually has a lot of um, uh, sport things, you know, that involves jumping and turning and uh, um, doing strong things. Um, so competition is always involved in this art form. Uh, but it depends how far you go. You know, I always tell the girls and boys that there are good competition and there is a bad competition. You know, when you actually, the good competition, when you really want to do better than somebody else, but also help them out to do as good as you do. Bad competitions, when you just mean to each other and you say that you're the best and you're the worst. So I, in my school, it just, I don't allow that kind of thing, which uh, other schools just either, they close their eyes on it or they just ignore those things. But in my school, I just, you know, it doesn't run that way. We often use the word soul in this country to describe different facets and aspects of a person's inner being. Yevgeny Yevtushenko, marvelous poet, always spoke of the Russian soul as well as Pushkin and others. Is there something inherent about a culture that lends itself to an art form such as this? Well, my wife actually always was, um, uh, she's laughing, she's a ballet mistress actually in our ballet school and um, great person, uh, very knowledgeable. Um, since we met each other, I always would say if we would have 
argument about something, it would be like a, a joke. I would say, you hurt my Russian soul. So she would be laughing at it, you know, and she would be like, you know, putting her arms around her chest and like, you know, making fun of me. Oh, your soul, your soul. So <laughs> so I guess it just, uh, it just comes as, uh, uh, maybe with Russians, it's a little dramatic. And like you say, Pushkin, Dostoevsky and other great writers, it was always about big drama and this Russian soul, which is kind of a... Uh, Everybody has a soul, <laughs> but, you know, it just, I guess it's, um, it comes from the uh, culture and, uh, and then it became like a regular word, you know, and everybody just uh, relates to the a soul and <laughs> um, in the ballet, um, again, um, people are people you, you need a good teacher who really can develop you as a good dancer and a, a good person so it doesn't soul is like a, a such abstractive word you know like it's very hard to really determine you know like <laughs> where you can actually say well look that way and your eyes will look that way you know like how can you really uh, direct the soul where to go so some people are more 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 talented than uh, than other people. They just that's where the soul probably comes from. I would say, you know, some people just, and they, uh, uh, it's it's the how they express themselves. That's the soul probably comes from. That's where that, that's the thing is a soul on stage. You know, the expression. <laughs> if someone is in the listening audience and thinking to themselves, "This is marvelous. I love the conversation." I love to feed on it and try to pursue a career. You've constantly mentioned body types, Slava. What specific intricacies and necessities are needed in the body? Let's say a child is standing in front of a mirror. What should he or she find in themselves that makes them feel, I have a chance? Um, I always... Uh one of my main things, especially with the little children, is their posture, just the way they stand. Because I don't know, everywhere I go, I travel to Russia a lot, and I just look at the regular kids, how they even uh, uh, carry themselves on the street, in school, uh, at home. They just slump. They drag themselves. So it's all about posture and how they present themselves. So if the child is standing in front of me and they're curvy and they're sticking their ribs out and uh, they don't know how to stand straight, that's the biggest thing, that's the biggest problem immediately for the ballet because it's very hard to fix it. And uh, every day we actually see this problem in every class, either it's a five-year-old or it's a 15-year-old children. They, we, you know, me and my wife and my, ch my teachers, they, we all make a big point out of posture. And um, besides that, it's how the legs look, if they're straight, if they can straighten the knees. And uh, uh, one of the biggest things actually in ballet is their feet because the feet is it's the hardest to point hardest to stretch and if they don't come naturally the way that they really have to be in the ballet it's a hard thing to achieve and accomplish <laughs> seeing again a film of Edward Villela dancing to a piece called Gypsy he would come to the side and collapse pull himself up and then go out and do it I had interviewed him had the pleasure of doing so as with yourself now he always spoke of injury. This is really a high level of athleticism, isn't it? Unfortunately, we yes. We look at it and we, mm -hmm. we, with American eyes, think that it's a lot of what we do here, nine to five over and no problem. How does one prepare for the injury part of it? Again, it's a school. It's a, it's it's a, it's a, um, um, you have to follow correctly what the teachers really tell you and. Um, Coming from myself, I injured myself badly um, at uh, when I was really going to the uh, to reach the top of my career. The, at the end of the second year with the Mariinsky Ballet, I uh, tore my ligament in my left knee, and uh, uh, unfortunately, back in Russia, I was misdiagnosed for four years. I danced without ligament, which is actually kind of very 
it's unusual. I don't know how it happened. I don't know how I did it, but Incredible. I, yeah, but I did it. And only uh, uh, when I came to America in 1995, again, I had no uh, ligament in my left knee, and uh, I uh, was diagnosed properly by the American doctor. Uh, that that's that was an issue for my problems. And after that, I had the three surgeries. But um, just for my um, experience, I always teach them the way they have to land properly. Uh, and I know why I even uh, hurt myself, because I landed not correctly and totally disaligned with my, my leg was not aligned properly, but knee was not going along with my toe, with my, uh, with my foot. And that's how easily you can really hurt yourself. From the big jump, strong landing, stress on stage, you know, thinking about other things, you don't think about you know, how carefully you can dance because you never really do. So it comes from the good school, from the good teacher, from uh, uh, strong preparation. You have to be a good athlete, not just like a regular ballet dancer or an actor. You have to really know how to even, it comes from the class. The way you do that and take class, the way you're going to dance. If you do properly and correctly things in class, in a ballet class, then the most unlikely you're going to be injuring yourself or will have a bad injury that will really ruin your career or will at least uh, slow down your career. There are always a little injuries here and there. You know, um, you can jam your toe, you can uh, jam your uh, thumb when you're even partnering, which happened to me a couple times too, but it's not going to uh, end your career. But the bad injuries, yes, you have to. It's It comes from the... A good um, education and again it comes from the good teacher I wonder if we went back to perhaps the beginning in some sense of the term did you have an epiphanal moment a Damascus moment where in point of fact you saw someone who was very good and while dancing with them said to yourself I belong here I am as good perhaps even better but I can do this was there such a feeling that you remember distinctly? I do, because uh, unfortunately, before I was 17 years old, we were growing up in Soviet Union, and it was, again, Cold War between uh, West and East. And uh, we didn't know anything about, like, uh, uh, big dancers, let's say, in America or in Europe. And I was only looking at the uh, dancers who were, uh, at that moment, at the Marinsky Ballet. And they were great, of course, but... Uh, uh, when I saw Mikhail Baryshnikov, and that happened when I was 17, basically right before I graduated, and I never even heard his name. That's how terrible it was at that moment. So nobody was allowed to speak about this, people who defected from Soviet Union in a certain time. Um, I, I thought I can't be like him. You know, I wanted to be like him. I thought this is the, this is the top of the, of the top. This is where it has to be done. You know, that's how it has to be danced. And uh, I guess he was just um, uh, my role model. And uh, it was it was interesting experience when I saw uh, when everything opened up back in 1987. And we saw Nureyev, we saw Natalia Makara, we saw Godunov <laughs> and Baryshnikov, and uh, everything started to open up a little bit and uh, unfreeze at that moment. So, yeah, I would say Mikhail Baryshnikov, who was actually uh, was uh, my icon almost at that bomb at that moment. <clears throat> you certainly chose someone who fits the name Star. Given these discussions we're having about background and how one sets the stage, you've been in so many places, done so many things, and practiced your expertise in so many stages. Nureyev supposedly said at one time, I'm not Russian, I'm not American, I'm not English, not French, not Italian. This is for the art. This is for the art. Do you consider yourself, and I, I'm using a phrase that I've used a lot on this program, but it says a lot, je suis un citoyen de la monde, are, are you a citizen of the world? A little bit Russian, a little bit American, a little bit of everything, a porridge? I guess, um, I guess I am, but um, um, uh, I travel to Russia a lot, and I, do, and I have a family there, and I do love my country. 
uh, and there. And so, and I love this country as well. So <laughs> I guess I am uh, American slash Russian. <laughs> so, uh, but this these days, I guess it just doesn't really matter where you live. You know, it's uh, the matter what you really bring to people. You know, and like how good of the person you are. Um, uh, and I'm glad that uh, these days. Um, Thanks to the internet, thanks that the Cold War between Soviet Union and Russia and America was over. So people can travel, people can really meet each other, they can share their knowledge and talent and uh, uh, education and uh, um, they can show each other what they can do together. And uh, there's so many American dancers actually dance in Russia these days. And uh, uh, it's interesting. It's just uh, it's changing so much because we all the Russian people used to come to America. Now I see the other way around. <laughs> uh, my brother, who is a director of uh, Jakobson Ballet, uh, one of the smaller company in St. Petersburg, Russia, he has some dances from Korea, some from America, some from other countries, and uh, besides his Russian dancers. So it's just um, it's good that people can really travel. Uh, to each other and uh, help each other to even understand their own culture and bring a little bit of the culture of their own to uh, and show it on stage as well. So it's it's great, I think. The mixture is incredible to behold. At times it can be discordant, at times it can be marvelous. Pavarotti, toward the end of his life, had a policy of trying to sing with anyone. And I remember seeing him once singing with James Brown, and <laughs> I didn't know at first what to make of it. He was meshing these two discordant art forms, and something came out of it that was highly interesting. When we say classical dance, I feel in this country we say something slightly different than the way the term is used in Europe or in Russia, in any other part of the world. How would you compare classical dance and what is demanded of a classical dancer with the American style of simply dancing? Well, there are a lot of, again, it's a school. It's a lot comes from school. I went to school for eight years to become a dancer. And even for after the eighth year, I actually still was thinking of staying, staying for one more year in school because I felt it wasn't, wasn't enough. And uh, so to be on the level of the classical dancer, you really have to go through all these years of um, uh, very steady education. Uh, the classes that you can you have to take almost every day. Uh, other other types of dances dances they don't really require those that kind of education. They don't require that many hours and that many years of just become uh, a dancer of uh, other different styles. But there's so many different styles, and you know what you um, said, it's interesting that Pavarotti was actually mixing up with the different uh, types. Um, classical ballet came from, it, it began like about two, 200 years ago, and the classical ballet, to me, it actually, it has a story in their, in their performances. Other types of dances, you can actually go without the story, like contemporary or modern. Yes, you can actually do the story, but it does, it's not... It's not a requirement. And um, uh, back to Pavarotti with him mixing the uh, things. It's actually, it's, it's interesting to do the classical dance and neoclassical dance, so classical dance with a modern dance as a collaboration. But again, this wouldn't be a story. So it wouldn't be a performance as, the, as you would read the book. But it's interesting, actually, to do the collaboration these days, too, which actually never really happened, let's say. It would never happen 50 years ago. People would not, not believe in that kind of thing. You know, these days it's just more interesting to do things like that. Like somebody said to me, like, it would be fun to do the hip-hop Nutcracker. <laughs> nutcracker would still be a... But it would be, it would be a story. <laughs> <laughs> but with the different types of dancing, with the tie, with the t uh, people would wear different shoes. Let's say, <laughs> so you can just do whatever, whatever you want. But um, I think classical dance is really a, a father of every dance because it's such a, a pure and hardest art form 
to compare with other things that everything grows from that tree. Hmm. I would say classical dance is just a tree. And the branches are like other types of dance that yeah. grows out of it. Looking back on your years at the Medinsky, at the Kirov, at that pinnacle, one wonders what it was like. I would imagine that no one in the listening audience really can place themselves there with the likes of Baryshnikov and Godunov and Nureyev and yourself, people at that level. What was it like? And in point of fact, do you have a teacher that you still hold close to your heart, that you remember forgetting you past something that perhaps you needed her or him to help you with? I would say my mother, uh, even though, and it's not just because I love my mom as uh, part of my family or just because it's my mother, but I uh, uh, trusted her, especially at the end of my uh, years with the Vaganova Academy. I never wanted to uh, uh, study with my mom because I was a young boy and there was always a fights between mom and me, and which is a very normal thing when you're growing up. But then uh, she actually uh, helped me a lot to graduate uh, as uh, a top student um, because I didn't really, I had a lack of classes, I had a lack of uh, experience in school. So thanks to her, she actually helped me to become who I was at the Marinsky Theater. Um, yes, teachers are very important. You really need a good teacher who can really uh, uh, give you a path and uh, send you to the right place. Um, so I guess that's the question, right? Indeed, yes. <laughs> Have you ever had a moment in the midst of a lesson where you say to yourself, my God, Slava, you're your mother? Um, I'm my mother. In a sense, <laughs> you're doing the same thing you remember she doing for you and with you? Uh, yes, yeah, because um, I trusted her and I know that she did actually, she had a very good eye and she really had, uh, she was a professor. She was a good, uh, uh, she was a good student at the, uh, at the Vaganova Academy. She was... Uh, uh, good dancer, very accomplished dancer. And she was also a very good and smart teacher because they're good teachers, but they're also smart teachers that really have a, uh, they know how to, how to help you to, not just to become a, a dancer, but you have to, it's, it's such a uh, complex thing that you have to become a good actor, you have to become a good partner, so from all these different aspects, um, you really need a good teacher who can really help you to do all these things and uh, have a, the, this good collaboration in your own body, in your, in your own mind, to be a dancer, actor, partner for the male dancer. Well, actually for the female dancer as well, because they also partner back <laughs> to the male dancer. And to be also a good human being. Um, besides being a talented and uh, a dancer with a good body at the same time. So, yeah, I, I, I remember how she taught me, so I actually follow a lot of those instructions, what she did with me, and I pass those things to my students as well. There are a, a number of people who I know that each of us admires growing up. We've spoken, uh, you and I, about the great hockey goalie at Red Army Central, Vyacheslav Trediak, Valery Borisov, great sprinter from the Ukraine. They were both academically masters of sport. They majored in their sport. Do you feel that academia is not emphasized enough in the study of such a demanding art as ballet, knowing the muscles of the body, knowing how physiology works? You have to learn these things as well. And uh, I always tell the, my students about anatomy of, of the body. Because if they don't know and they don't understand the anatomy and they don't understand where things have to really go, it's, uh, it's still apparatus that you have to really move. And it's a live apparatus. It's your, uh, it's your body. So um, you have to really know your joints, you have to really know your muscles, you have to have a little bit of or a lot of the knowledge and it's better to know more <laughs> anytime and anything. Um, what's happening with your body when you actually do any movements? 
just like you know that will also prevent you from having injuries so it's it's good to know you your body <laughs> as anatomy <laughs> anatomically is there a part a dance position a presentation that in your heart and mind you feel you've made your own it is something that you can go back to in your sleep and it still is at a level that you're proud of uh, uh, i um i at this point of my life, I feel I'm. Uh, I love where I am now. I I'm happy that I opened the school, and uh, I'm glad that I really can pass all my knowledge to the students. Uh, to the, uh, I hope I will have more students because it's it's interesting to actually to see how they grow. Um, uh, and uh, you think uh, if I actually fall asleep and I like in the middle of my in the in the middle of the <laughs> night I feel like I'm still dancing or not? <laughs> Indeed, is there a part that you can say to yourself, "I made that my own. This is my signature role. It's something that stands out, at least in as my a dancer, own mind, as a dancer, as a dancer." Uh, you know, I had so many roles that I can. I don't have my favorites. Uh, all my roles were actually favorite, and you know why? I'll tell you why. Because you have to work on the role, and if you work on the role properly, it becomes part of your body, becomes part of your mind, and it be, you like you live the role. So every role is important. So I cannot really say that one role was like I prefer one role over other ones. It's just because you treat the, every role uh, uh, even and equal to other ones. So I don't think I have a, a favorite. <laughs> I have a favorite ballet, but I don't have favorite roles. <laughs> say something about your level of expertise that in point of fact there are many things to choose from. Mm. I had, on occasion, a number of years ago, been invited to instruct at a senior citizen center. They had television sets on, but the television sets were above their eyes, and they were staring at the wall. Oh, yeah, that's sad. It terribly was. Yeah. A person there was trying to get them to be active and just rolled a beach ball to them, and they kicked it back. We don't often think of ballet as an exercise that benefits all ages. Your school does teach proper stretching exercises. Would you say that a person out there who is a senior or in middle age or feels they no longer can do the physically strenuous things they did at 18, will they benefit from ballet? And if so, how? They don't need the ballet exercises like it would be from A to Z. But certain exercises, they actually can benefit them and just uh, for the purpose of stretching, for the purpose of opening and waking the muscles. Uh, I have adult classes that I teach and I have elderly people and uh, they do come. And even though they cannot do much, they do a lot of things with the upper body. And that's a choice. I actually admire those people because they have a choice. Either they're just going to be home sitting on the couch or they're going to just take a, a slow, weak walk in the park or they're going to come to ballet class for an hour and a half. They will just do things with their arms, their head, with their neck, with the upper body and a little bit with the legs accordingly, how much they can do. Again, some of those people, they took ballet classes for a while or for for a long time you can always minimize certain things for people who don't know ballet and just give them a little bit of exercises but i do believe um it will benefit them from that again they don't have to turn they don't have to jump they can point their feet a little bit they can do the arms they can do stretching and uh, uh, bending over, uh, so that would be a good exercise for the back. So, it would. These people actually benefit 
again, speaking of the soul, you know, like I see their soul is dancing. <laughs> but besides that, the soul is dancing with their body. So they're actually accommodating each other. And uh, that's really fun to see. And I admire these people. So, yes, you just have to be very careful and you just have to uh, be specific what you can give to people as a ballet exercise accordingly. How much they can do, how much they can't do, and, uh, and just take it from there. It was a marvelous interview with Fred Astaire. He had reached an age where he couldn't do what he had done. And he was asked by the interviewer from a local newspaper, how do you feel about what you can't do? And he said, oh, no, in my mind I'm doing it. He remembered his choreographer, a gentleman named Hermes Pan. He said, I'm doing that. I'm leaping, I'm clicking my heels. Do you feel that way when you dance? That you're away? You've released? When I used to dance, yes. You, you disappear in, in that world. You know, you disappear in, um, in the world of performance, let's say. And it doesn't matter if the performance is has a story or it doesn't have a story, you still really, I think, your body disappears in that thing. Yeah, and especially for the accomplished dancer, for a well-trained dancer. Um, I, I see with my own eyes when I look at the dancers, if they really accomplish that level, if they really can disappear in their dream, or they just do the um, robotic movements. So that's another level of being a good dancer and a more accomplished dancer. So again, you know, there's just two different types of dancers who can really do good things, but they don't go to the next level to become a star. And that's, um, it comes from, I guess, from ability how to, to develop those things. It um, comes from your nature, comes from your body, comes from your talent. And... Uh, Again, and uh, uh, whoever you train with, I think they still can help you to get to that level. Especially if the uh, student willing to take the directions. Then again, must we say that passion plays an integral role in reaching a certain level? Being unafraid to release yourself emotionally, feeling so vulnerable and yet I've made it. That takes a great deal of courage. It comes to you with the knowledge and with the experience. Mm. Uh, uh, remembering myself as a student, of course, I just didn't know how to do that, even though people would explain it to me. But when you're 17, 18 years old, you're still young to actually understand those things. And it comes, it's like when you learn the language and suddenly you understand the language, mm. you know? So it, it, it happened to me, too. It was um, when I came here to America, I spoke a little English so I could actually get around. And, uh, but at one point, suddenly, I started to understand almost everything. And I was, like, thrilled. You know? <laughs> so it just happened naturally. And you don't know when, when that day is going to come. But you want the most important, I wanted to do that. I wanted to learn the language because a lot of people who live here, they really don't speak so well. They don't know how to write, even though they know how to, uh, how to speak. So I learned to do everything, how to write, how to read, how to speak English. So, and it, you have to study. But then one day it comes to you as, as a eureka, you know, it's like, wow, it's really, it's, it's great. And um, it makes me, made me happy. So that's what the same thing, it, it happens the same thing with the dance. First thing is a stu you're a student. Second thing, you're becoming a professional dancer. The third thing, that's when you really feel like you're free of technique and you really can uh, reveal your uh, true self when you really become uh, not just a good dancer but also a good artist with a big A. <laughs> that sounds almost spiritual. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It's we've, we've talked about audiences, you and I, and how different Western audiences are from Russian audiences. Do you feel the need to educate the audience to really appreciate what you're putting on? You do, because uh, 
just knowing how people even go to the theater in Russia, let's say, or in Europe um, and in America, in the wintertime, for example, people don't check the coats when they go to the house. It's, they don't take the hats off when they go to see the performance. It's incorrect. It's actually not really nice even to the dancers. Not, it's, um, um, uh, in Russia, for example, they actually won't let you go into the house with a, with a coat on or having coat over your arm. You have to check the coat. So that's basically, that's a discipline, that's an etiquette of just being an, a spectator, being an, just a regular audience. So, yes, you have to, uh, how else would you actually, uh, the person who hasn't been to the theater ever and go to the theater with a coat on, Osher will tell you what to do. So that means they teach you what to, how to behave in the theater. In America, it's not an issue. There is the wardrobe, there is a coat room, but people don't even bother to take the coats off. So when you go to the theater, you just you, you like have a uh, um, you like in a store of the coats in there. So that's it starts just from that. And uh, like to me, if I would be on stage, it's um, uh, it's not nice. It's um, uh, kind of rude, you know. Like if people just go there because they want to not to bother. To be in the theater and to relax and to uh, see the performance, then not to run out of the theater because they have to stand in line to get the code back, but they have to get back to the regular life. So you don't go to the theater just to really enjoy it fully. So people run in and run out. So that's that's the education of the audience also. I think you have to educate the audience from the uh, right when they cross the uh, um, a front door. I think it comes from the ushers because there is no there are no books about it. Maybe there are, but nobody reads them. So you mentioned the magic word book. Is there a book? in your future where you can put all of these life experiences to print and page? Some of my students actually were telling me about that because um, sometimes oh, I have a few students who actually like to talk to me and they ask me a lot of questions and they want to know a little bit of the history and the experience how I was growing up and experience in the theater and uh, what happened. And sometimes it just ha um, I start telling them the stories because something happens during the rehearsal or something happens during the class and just comes to my mind and I just tell them like experience what I had, how I would behave in a certain situation. So they would be telling me that I should really start writing the book. Um, maybe. I guess I guess I should. Because <laughs> it's <laughs> See, if my students tell me that they will be a bestseller, <laughs> so maybe I should really consider doing that. But I would like, uh, the first thing I would like to write my own syllabus um, for my own school, and uh, I, it's not like I teach without syllabus. I do follow the Vaganova Academy syllabus strictly, and which is a very classical ballet syllabus. Uh, but I would like to uh, update that a little bit with my own ideas, and uh, so it's going to be a book for my own, a manual, basically for my own school. Since we are speaking of the school, and that's the core subject of our discussion. It's the apex and the pinnacle of your career at this point. Can you give the listening audience a bit of the praise of the history of Fedeyev Ballet? Uh, not much of the history. I just <laughs> decided <laughs> to open my own school because, um, because we have a lack of classical ballet. Um, and I see it's not enough in here. And uh, I thought I really would like to, uh, I wanted, it started to bother me at one point. I was teaching in a few different places and I was not unhappy in there, but I thought that's the time to really bring uh, more education to the kids in our, in our area and uh, um, starting with this area, for example, in Long Island. 
to teach them and to educate them and just to show them that there is classical ballet out there. There is different style of dance that they're really not familiar with, um, which was kind of lost. So that was the point of uh, starting the school. I would think, uh, knowing you somewhat, you're being overtly modest. I've seen you dance. There are things that are done that inhabit your characters that cannot easily be transposed to a classroom, and yet you've successfully done that. I don't think we appreciate the value of a good teacher and how long it takes. Did you feel it was the right time in your professional career to begin your own school? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, the dancers don't have a long career. It basically runs for 20 years. Uh, you grow as a dancer until you're 32, 33 years old. After that, you have a fall. <laughs> it goes down because your, your body wears out, unfortunately. So by 40 years old, maximum 45 years old this is your career when you start when you're 18 or 20 years old dancer so yes unfortunately it's a short career so by 40 years old you actually can move on either you want to become a teacher or you want to still dance but you don't really dance anymore as a jumping person let's say a turning person you just do the character roles or acting roles on stage so yes i'm 47 and uh, at this moment i'm well prepared uh, psychologically, physically, uh, educationally, just, uh, and I think I'm doing the right thing at this moment for myself. Indeed, I would agree mm -hmm. with your choice of self in this particular instance. Have you considered choreography? I've done some choreography. Not so big to the point that, uh, let's say, Marinsky Ballet invited me. <laughs> um, I am more as a teacher than a choreographer at this moment. But for the two stage, for the Nutcracker, what we've done three times already since I opened the school and um, we're doing the June show, we, I have to do the choreography. Even though I'm doing classical ballets, but we still have to do the new choreography. We have to give some things, choreograph some things accordingly to... Uh, what our kids can do. So, yeah, and, well, interestingly enough, you know, like when you teach class, you're, you're always a choreographer. You really <laughs> give them something new. And uh, so you kind of, uh, uh, you choreograph all the time. So every teacher is a little bit of a choreographer. And, uh, uh, but it depends, you know, if you want to take it to the next level, you always can do that. Um, I was not... I was not doing that at this moment of my life, uh, not something big, uh, but at one point, maybe it's going to happen. For those in the listening audience, and I'm assuming if one loves classical dance, there are many who would like to put their toe in the water, so to speak, and visit your school. Can you advise those who are interested as to where your school is, where a website might be? how they can pursue contacting the school. Absolutely. We are located in Greenvale, Long Island, in Whitley Plaza, uh, 340 Whitley Plaza. Uh, come to us anytime. We are there Monday, Tuesday, uh, some days Wednesday, and always Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday, we're there from 10 o'clock in the morning until like 5 o'clock at night. And... Um, uh, the telephone number is 516-360-6502. Our website is uh, fadeevballet.org, uh, uh, like my last name, F-A-D-E-Y-E-V, uh, ballet.org. Um, and we're going to do uh, one of the, uh, I guess, classic of classics. Uh, not the whole ballet, uh, but it's going to have a story, Le uh, Bayadere. Uh, the uh, Marius Pitipa ballet from the 19th century. Uh, some people know it as a, the temple dancer. Uh, so we're going to do this thing on June 14th and 15th at the th little theater in LIU. 
<laughs> right around the corner. And uh, I'm very happy to um, uh, announce this thing. Uh, on 14th of June, it's going to be 7 p.m. show. And on uh, Saturday, 15th of June, it's going to be 2 p.m. show. Please come see it. You'll really enjoy it. Indeed. <clears throat> do you feel that to truly appreciate what you're about to do, a little theater or the presentations you make, it's imperative for the audience to understand the story? Is there something comparable to a libretto that you feel would be awfully helpful in introducing their eyes and their ears to what they see and hear? Libretto is usually comes first as a screenplay. Mm. So, yes, every story really follows libretto. And it's interestingly enough, some ballets really start only with the libretto because there is no book before that. Like Sleeping Beauty came from, from the book of Charles Perrault, who wrote the uh, uh, book of Sleeping Beauty then. Um, it came libretto, was written by someone else, and then Mario Spitipa took that libretto and really staged uh, uh, with the music of Tchaikovsky um, the whole ballet. And uh, there is no story without libretto. You have to really present that thing. And um, uh, in in our story, we will we will we will tell the story of La there a little bit. So, uh, and there is libretto, of course, in La there because I don't think actually it was a book of La there It was actually just written down as a screenplay which is called libretto in the ballet world. Um, so we'll just follow that uh, idea that we'll tell the story so audience will really understand what we want to present. If, as they say lyrically, you could click your heels, close your eyes, make a wish, what would you love to find yourself doing 10 years from now with your school? We planning... Um, I would like, and my wife actually would like, to open the uh, and to have the art center in Long Island that would um, ex ex expand the school, uh, would give uh, young students and young uh, audience to um, to learn more about ballet. So we will have more classes. Um, uh, not just the ballet, but we will have more partnering classes. We will have character classes, we'll have acting classes. So, and uh, maybe that art school actually will have some drama classes as well. So, this is our plan for the future. So, I would like to have that um, big building that has a good uh, uh, tradition, um, soul inside. That will where people will come and say this is what we were looking for for years, and this is what was missing actually in this country for a long time. There are things like this in Manhattan, but there is nothing in Long Island, and that's why I would like to have it here too. It would actually help audience in Long Island to really educate themselves that there is the art form somewhere there, and uh, why wouldn't we be able to have something like this in here? That would be great. You wish then to go beyond the scope of what persons might personify as ballet and deal with just that human spirit again and the complete culture of the person, learning to dance, sing, represent themselves, yes. to be. Yes. You're talking about changing a culture to some degree. Yes, because uh, if you just have your school and you have a few different studios, you can really make it big or you can make it small, you can make it beautiful. But I would like to have more beyond that thing. Yeah, maybe we can actually even provide singing classes there. We can provide drama class. We can provide painting classes. If it would, I would like to have a ballet company one day. And uh, it would be great too because Long Island, again, doesn't have anything like this. We have a few companies in New York, but we don't have anything in here. And uh, at that point, I may choreograph something. I have a lot of uh, friends who are uh, very accomplished choreographers who I could invite to choreograph for the ballet company and for the students as well. Imagine what that would actually be. It's a marvelous thought. <laughs> One would hope that <clears throat> people would understand the advantage of taking a lesson at such a school and the possibilities for the future. I myself, as a person who loves being in the audience, would be enthralled to experience something like that. As with most good programs, the hour has gone by rather quickly. 
in the last 30 some odd seconds, Slava, are there any final words you'd like to share with those who are out there? Well, thank you very much again, Robert, to invite me to this fabulous radio station. And uh, I uh, was very pleased and honored to do, uh, to have the interview with you. Um, go out there and see ballet in the big stages, not just on internet, not just on the screen, uh, because ballet is really a, a live art form, and you will really enjoy that thing. Uh, there are a lot of theaters in here, Lincoln Center in New York, so um, please do that. You know, they will give you a good, you will, you will understand that it's a really great art form, and uh, it's, 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 it's also fun. <laughs> it's fun to see these things, live, especially live. Indeed, I can second those recommendations and that advice. Program has been seldom said. My name is Robert, special guest, Slava Fadeyev. Спасибо большое. You're listening to a podcast from LIU Studios. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and subscribe to this show on your podcast app of choice. For more of our programs or to support LIU Studios, visit wcwp.org.